We want to welcome everyone to another episode of A Seat at the Dinner Table. I am Taman. And I'm Kim. And tonight we are having a lovely... Homemade salad. Homemade salad. I couldn't get my words out. It's, uh, you know, pickled onions, the little spring mix, chicken, eggs, other veggies. Forget what I put in here. A baby got down got down when we're talking about the uh the salad she is down with pretty much everything so shout out to my lady my baby my everything oh um that's nice so um we still want to thank the the lovely sponsors of simply shondell um if you're looking for handmade polymer clay clay earrings mm -hmm. that are beautifully stylish as well as lightweight you can go to www.simplyshondell.com for all your earring needs. It's been a day. It has been a day. I feel like we need to, let's just take a deep breath. It's, it's been a day. It's been, it seems like whenever we have a show, any and everything comes up, plan it out, and we still end up running around a chicken, like a chicken with a head cut off. Yeah. Funny story. I've actually seen that happen in person, but it wasn't, chicken the head wasn't cut off but mm -hmm. the neck was broken it's pretty crazy to see my brother did it shout out to brian shout out to brian uh, so um tonight um we wanted to honor um some of our black history superstars uh put them on spotlight um i know there is a plethora of different people um that go on the the list as far as uh black history greats mm -hmm. um however we did pick a few out that um we wanted to to highlight and spotlight since this is uh february and it's black history month uh so <clears throat> i actually told Simon, i feel like during black history month the same people are often talked about and spotlighted and there are so many more amazing black people that did some so historical many. stuff so many that a lot of people don't even think you don't know about it. You don't know about it unless you're just randomly doing some research. Right. So that's kind of like what prompted what we're doing today. Just kind of talking about some people that I know for me, a lot of people probably never have heard of them. So there's so, that. Shout out to our good brother, Frank, uh, Elder Frank. Okay. Well, I'm not going to call him an elder, but he's he's my elder. So thank you for, for joining on. Uh, said preach. So we, we're definitely going to try to preach tonight. <laughs> so um without further ado uh ladies first oh okay yes well i got my phone because oh i do too so um, don't don't get twisted I got, I got my notes right here so the first one that i'm gonna do um some may or may not have heard of her but her name is wilma rudolph i remember funny i remember wilma rudolph um my mom had a vhs called wilma and when we didn't have cable, I would sit and watch VHSs. I never really wanted to watch this one because the cover looked real bootleg and whatnot. And then when you pop the movie and it was, it was blurry, but it was one, it's now like one of my favorite movies. And I think I want, I want Siani to watch. I want the kids to watch it and you, because I don't think you've ever seen it. But um, Wilma, she's a American track and field athlete. So that right there, you know, it, this was actually before I even got into track. That's funny. But um, Wilma Rudolph, 
you know what, I'm gonna read this from here. So Woman Rudolph, she was a she was decorated as far as like being yeah. in track and field. She was winning medals and things like that. Her story was significant because when she was about four, I think it says she was about four, she was diagnosed with polio, wow. which polio, um, it can paralyze you. Mm-hmm. It's a disease that a lot of kids would get and it can paralyze you. So she was diagnosed with polio and also had some other um, health issues. Mm-hmm. She couldn't walk. They didn't think that she would ever be able to walk. That's crazy. So when she was a child, you know, they they couldn't really afford all of the medical care. So her mother and her siblings and things all took, they took turns Mm -hmm. with working with her leg. I think they said that her left side was weak. They took turns working with her legs uh, daily, like multiple times a day exercising her legs, stretching it out, trying to help her get strength in her leg. Mm-hmm. And then at one point she was walking with a brace on her leg, but still she wasn't stable in it. Right. So as she got older, she was getting stronger and stronger. She ended up joining the track team and was running wow. for high school. She went to, like I said, Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee State University, which I didn't know which was the HBCU. Shout out to Tennessee State University. Yeah. She went to the uh, HBCU and was dominating there dominating there. i guess i should tell the year so while she was there it was in 1963 when she was at tennessee state mm-hmm. she let me see if i can find like her um accolades and everything and i guess this is where mm-hmm. i should have been more prepared i'm sorry I'm fine, <laughs> so it says here yeah, she did track and field. She was in the Summer Olympics in 1956, mm-hmm. and she was in the Summer Olympics in 1960 as well. Representing she, for her country? Yeah. She, it shows here that she had three gold medals and one wow. bronze. Um, she got bronze in 1956 in the 4x1 relay. She got gold in 1960 when it was in Rome in the 4x1 relay. And for those of you who don't know, that's a, that's a, um, a sprint. That's a sprint race where four people are running a race at the same time, run 100 meters, hand off the baton to someone else. She won gold in the 200 meters flat, which is half the, time, one, half of the distance around a track. And she won gold in the 100 meter flat, well, which is a sprint. So she was killing. That is amazing. And to know that she was diagnosed with, with polio, polio at four, with at four, told that she was never going to be able to walk. And now she out here winning gold medals. And right. So she What's was going on, Mr. Jonathan. How are you doing today? <laughs> that was one of my favorite, weirdly favorite movies growing up because you would not think that a kid would be watching it. But mm-hmm. when you're forced into some things, you, you <laughs> learn some things. <laughs> I mean, her story is uh you can continue, I'm sorry. Uh yeah. She had a lot of other accolades mm-hmm. with track and field, but like that was the most significant. Like she in the 60s, she's winning gold medals in the Olympics. Yeah, and, I mean, to go from having polio to winning a gold. Right. Like, that, that to me, is, like, the determination, the will, the strength. And and I'm pretty sure that they had a, a praying family, especially right. with them growing up in, in that time and whatnot. And for her to have a support system as far as her, you said her parents, her mother, her parents, her, well, yeah, her, her siblings, her siblings. siblings helped her out as far as like massaging her legs and whatnot. To, I mean, you that support system is huge. Yeah, and it says she also played basketball as well, and she was trying to follow in um, the footsteps of her sister, her older sister, who played sports. Hmm. So that's another thing too. A lot of people, um, when they had that, 
when they have the example right in front of them, they mm-hmm. tend to strive towards that as well. Yeah. So that was pretty dope. That's super dope, man. Super dope. I mean, this all around, like, <clears throat> her story started off. Kind of sort of tragic. Yeah. And like, then you think of a four year old, a baby, mm-hmm. pretty much. And like, you get a diagnosis that your baby's not going to be able to walk. Right. And be that, paralyzed. That's sheesh. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. But I know that she made uh, all of her family proud. Mm-hmm. Of course, she probably made herself proud, of course, because, right. I mean, knowing her story and just wanted to be like her big sister and to end up winning gold medals in the Olympics, like, that is super amazing. So shout out to Wilma Rudolph and the Rudolph family. And, you know, like, if you're a person who is really competitive into sports, those are the platforms that you, like, dream of reaching. Yeah. Like basketball is NBA, WNBA, track and field, honestly, is like the Olympics as well as like gymnastics and stuff. Those are the those are the the um the highest fields that you be wanting to get to. I forgot I had food here. No, I was talking. Well, I, I, yeah, I was gonna say you, you put me talking. on the spot. First. I, did. I said ladies first. Yeah, well, you know, you usually give me ladies first. I'll do that. I'm sorry. So <laughs> now you up. Now you are out. So, um, when I was looking through, um, trying to pick some names and whatnot, um, I attended Morgan State University. Shout out to Morgan. Um, met some great people there. Um, and I, I definitely love when I hear about people doing special things that are from um, a college that I, I mean, I say a college, the, uh, the college that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, so my person um, is Valerie Thomas. Uh, Valerie Thomas was a scientist and an inventor. And she was the one that pretty much invented 3D movies. Really? Yeah. Wow. So she, um, she was born February 8th. Um, she graduated from Morgan in 1964. And she was one of only two women who studied physics. 3D or 2D? 3D. 3D? I was thinking because you said she graduated in the 60s. Mm -hmm. But she worked for NASA Mm -hmm. and she developed the illusion transmitter and received the patent in 1980. Oh, okay. So, uh, and what the illusion transmitter is, is it creates... Optical illusion images using two concave mirrors, which produces an image that appears real or 3D. And it's been used by NASA, it's been used by doctors, um, and it's also used uh, in in television screens as well. Um, And she received the Goddard Space Flight Center Award of Merit, uh, the NASA Equal Opportunity Medal as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, when you think about Back when when we were younger, 3D movies was like but just yeah, just seeing the 3D in in general. But not only that, just like now where it's gone to where you have holograms and whatnot, <laughs> like the the evolution of it is remarkable. And just to hear that uh, a black woman, Miss Thomas from uh, the good Morgan State University was one of the ones that invented that and she paved the way for a lot of people um hearing looking at her story and whatnot she was a mentor for a lot of people mm-hmm. um 
and a lot of people of color coming into to NASA as well. And you you don't hear about, um, well, I know me personally, I don't hear about the color barriers that are broken when we're talking about space and mm -hmm. science and things like that. So um, this was definitely interesting when I uh, found her. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, shout out to Miss Valerie Thomas. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> That's funny. These kids will never know that red and uh, blue the glass, the red and blue glasses that created the red yeah, images. Yeah, man, listen. And I'm my weird self. I used to try to look at like the pictures that the glasses would come with, try to see if I could figure it out with just the naked eye. I don't know. I did stuff work. like that. Didn't yeah, work. Definitely not. All right. So next person I found was Jane Bolin. I know you probably never heard of No, her. I've never heard of Put Me On Game to Miss Jane. So, Jane Bolin, and this was, she was born, I guess we didn't even talk about the age part, but mm -hmm. born back in 1908, and she died in 2007. What? She was the first Black judge in New York City. In New York, I think it said. Wow. She became the nation, no, she became the nation's first Black woman judge in 1939. She was mm -hmm. the first black woman to graduate from Yale Law School and would serve on New York's family court for four decades. It says, besides dealing with domestic cases, she worked to stop probation officers from getting assignments based on the color of their skin. During her career, she also worked with Eleanor Roosevelt to create a program that would intervene to stop young boys committing crimes. Wow. So when I was further looking her up, mm -hmm. this is it goes back to what I said about um, Wilma Rudolph having like that example of her big sister doing sports that she wanted to follow in mm -hmm. because James Bolin, her dad was um, I think her it said her, her dad was a, ju a judge as well. But let me pull that back up. And I think I, no, I screenshotted it. But I was like, OK, so she had she had that like the image of her dad in the forefront of her mom, like seeing him go through the process and everything. Mm -hmm. And then for her to be the nation's first black woman right. to be a judge, that was that was dope to me. But it says here she grew up, her mother died when she was eight. So her dad raised her. She was the youngest of four children. So he was the first black graduate of Williams College. And then he was the first black, black president of the Dutchess County Bar Association. Sheesh. And so being from what I know, anybody's bar association is a big deal in itself. Definitely. Because you, you got to really just know your stuff to, mm -hmm. for one, to even pass the bar, then, right. then to be on there to, on the association for it. Right. I don't know enough about the law industry, but yeah, I've heard a lot. I know that you, I mean, I've <laughs> heard a lot of stories as far as passing the bar. Right. It says here that she was only she was one of only two black freshmen in her year, and she felt the social rejection from her white peers when she was in high school. So she graduated college. This was with before honors. civil rights. This was before the nineteen sixties. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So she entered Yale Law School as the only black student and one of the one of only three women. I'm guessing by the time she graduated. Wait. That. Hmm? She was the first black student. It says she entered law school as the only black student. Okay. And only. only in one of only three. Oh, wait. The only black student mm -hmm. and only one of three women. 
Yo. Women. That's. And this was, again, like I said, back in oof. the late 20s, early 30s. Wow. Because she got her law degree in 1931. Yeah, man. That's crazy. And then she passed the bar in 1932. Just imagine the courage that she had to be the, the forerunner right. for not only black women, but just black people in general. Right. To to go through that what people would say the the prestigious uh was Ivy League school mm-hmm. and to be up there in that echelon, like kudos give her all types of props, all of those, cause that that to me is a amazing. I can just imagine like what her like her her fortitude or her attitude was mm-hmm. as far as just going like to have no fear whatsoever, just going like I'm breaking barriers. That is what it is. And you know what's crazy? She probably had all the fear in the world, but it's like, but this is what I want to do. Yeah. That determination there, because I know we talk a lot about people being brave and doing and going through. But when you think about it, they're just doing what they feel like is right. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of people that are, like you said, breaking these barriers, they don't they don't look at it as this is what I'm setting out to do. Mm-hmm. I'm setting out to to be a martyr for this. I'm setting out to to set this example and to break this down. It's like, listen, I just want to do this. I just want to be in law school. This is the school that I want to go to. Definitely. And it's like once they've completed it, and you're like, oh snap, I did I'm it. the first black one that did this. So I like, did it. even when you graduate in your family, you're like. Some people are like the first to graduate in their family. Mm-hmm. That mindset is probably not. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. I want to do this. It's like I want to co- accomplish this for myself. Mm-hmm. And then once you look back, it's like, wow, I was a trailblazer. Right. So, wow! Shout out to her. Yeah, when I saw that, I, I, it's funny because I immediately thought of uh, Portia when I thought of that. When I read that. Mm-hmm. Just how Portia goes hard for law and everything. Yeah, I just definitely. Immediately thought of her. Definitely. We need more Porsches in the <laughs> judicial system. So Correct. shout out to Miss Ruchley. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm over here sweating boy. This this light is <laughs> says it's all right, baby. So we have a question. What type of mindset does it take to have that type of focus? Hmm. I do believe you have to be you have to have a strong mindset. You have to have thick skin mm-hmm. to have that type of focus because knowing Knowing that you're going to hit all types of adversities and things plaguing you, because being a, in in her instance, being a black woman, the odds are already stacked against you. Right. So now she's going into this world where it's predominantly white men, not even like just predominantly white people, but predominantly white men. So I'm pretty sure she knew she was going to get heat from any and every way. So she had to have a strong, determined mind focus. And laser focused to know what her end goal was and not let anybody knock her off her block with that. And I mean, she she also had an example with her father. With her father, right. So, like, this wasn't anything necessarily new to her, mm-hmm. per se. I mean, of course, like, in the criticism and whatnot, she just she's just trying to do what she's seen her father do. Right. And you, you have to have that laser focus. I mean... I'm a basketball guy, so I'll compare it to basketball. Mm-hmm. So we all see how great a shooter Stephen Curry is, right? Who? Stephen. Just kidding. Steph Curry, Chef Curry, whatever you want to call him. Siani's guy. Right. We we see how 
he's arguably the greatest shooter ever. Mm -hmm. However, him and his brother are really just doing what they've seen their dad doing. Yeah. And Dell Curry was no slouch when it came to the three-point. See, I ain't, I ain't know much about him. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm just breaking it down into basketball terminology and just kind of understanding it like that. Like, they don't know necessarily how great they're going to be. They're just trying to follow the footsteps. Mm -hmm. And with that, it comes to where you, you're going to have trials and, and tribulations, as they say. Um, but you, you're going to come up against obstacles. And it's like, okay, I've had an example that's probably came through some similar obstacles. So you got to have some support system mm -hmm. as well. But that laser focus to be a trailblazer is, is something that is unmatched says, what do you think gave her and others a type of strong focus? Our community today has an endless amount of role models, yet there's a lack of focus. That's true. Um, I don't know much about her, mm -hmm. but I, I think a, a solid foundation as far as uh, spirituality is concerned. Um, I mean, because you first have to believe in yourself and then believe that the most high is going to guide you and be there for you. And, and she had a support system that was behind her and she already had someone who had been in that field. So I, I personally, I mean, I don't know her spiritual beliefs, but just me thinking the way that I think like you, you first have to believe in yourself. I mean, because if that that's not there, then nothing's going to happen. So I'm thinking, can you show the question? Yes, again? I can. Yeah. You know, my brain, yeah. it stops working after yeah, a few oh seconds. Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like it's hard to say because I think a lot of it boils down to work ethic, though. Back then, and even us growing up, there was a certain work ethic that was needed to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. And now... This generation now, everything is so microwave for them. They can, and it's at the, everything is at the tip of their fingertips as far as like electronics. They can do, I can sit back, kick my feet up, send out a couple messages, hit a thousand views and make like money just like that. Or however many views go viral and make money like that. And so I feel like a lot of the generation, this generation now, they have that mentality of, I'm going to do as little work as possible mm -hmm. and it's going to give me some type of big return in a weird way. I don't care if it's for 15 minutes mm -hmm. of fame of a viral video or or what. So I think the work ethic is lost. Yeah. I really think the work ethic is lost. Like I was watching Nehemiah play today and when he was playing catch with you, he, he wanted to, because I, I, I'm, he's my baby, so I wanted to let him stop. <laughs> but he wanted to quit after like two, two, two or three catches. And I'm like... Yeah, he was like, I'm tired. And you were like, you're not tired. And I'm sitting there like, how you know he's not tired? But thinking back, like he was just trying to get out of it. Yeah. And he just probably just, he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. So I feel like these kids aren't pushed anymore to, to really get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Everything Definitely. is just so easy and cookie cutter for him. So believing yourself is very much part of it, but you have to know your value, your significance, who you are based on you come from that's that is, that is so true and that's what we're trying to instill in our kids now definitely because i can see them falling into that 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 laziness that that well 
my friend said this, so that's what I must be. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're so much more than what someone else thinks you are. You got to know what you think you are and what your worth is and what you can do. I can I can tell you just from personal experience that, well, I'm just, I'm, they, they are you. Mm-hmm. Um, me speaking off a of personal experience, it, it took a while for me to really realize who I am mm-hmm. um, because of the, I would say the, the lack of focus, like things came easy to me when I was young. And then the, the older that I got, the more it was kind of like, okay, this isn't as easy as I thought. And then like really reevaluating myself, the, the older that I got and whatnot. And I mean, to be, to be completely transparent. I mean, I was in a depression. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it took the, the lovely support of my wife and my kids and my family and whatnot. And me really realizing that I'm I'm not the sum of all my mistakes and that I believe in myself as much as they believe in myself. And in turn, it's it's helped tremendously. And like, yeah, in hindsight, you know what I mean? I wish I had that mindset 10 years, 20 years ago. I think I'll probably be a quote unquote a little further further along. But at the same time, yeah, I mean um, the most high works in mysterious ways, as we say. And I feel like the, the things that I went through personally, um, has helped me to become the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. And even in her case, um, pretty much she understood that she came from a great lineage and a great family and she had a great example. Um, so she's just following in those footsteps. And I mean, looking back at my lineage, I come from a great family of great people who have done some awesome things from starting their own businesses to being into real estate, to going into the military, to doing so much great things. So, um, I mean, like it's, it's just a matter of finding out who you, who you are, but yeah, I'm going to leave that. Oh, it's my turn. It is. It's you. See, you got me in here preaching. I'm sorry. Somebody needs it. Uh, so, um, during my search uh, <laughs> of uh, myself, um, I, I read a book that was called The Destruction of the Black Civilization uh, by Chancellor Williams. And uh, Chancellor Williams is a person that I put on this list. Um, he was a sociologist, a, a historian, and writer. Um, his most notable book is The Destruction of Black Civilization, 1971. Um, if you if you are a person of color and have not read that, I would recommend reading that um, just to get some, some history context. He attended uh, the great Howard University, so another HBCU, shout out to the, the Howard Bison. Um, <laughs> That's what their mascot is? Yeah. Excuse me. He was a teacher in the Washington, D.C. public school system. Mm-hmm. Um, he also received an award from the Black Academy of Arts and Letters for his most notable book. 
other than the destruction of black civilization, he wrote the other books, The Raven, a novel of Egan, Edgar Allan Poe in 1943. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I were white in 1946, uh, have you been to the river in 1952? Problems in African history in 1964, the rebirth of African civilization in 1961, and the second agreement with hell in 1979. Those are books that he wrote. Uh, those are books that he wrote. Yeah. Um, Why do you think? What's wrong? <laughs> I've never read these books. I would never think that the author of the destruction of black civilization would have written these books, <laughs> especially with the titles. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm black and I'm proud. I don't think I would write a book about if I were white. But mm-hmm. let me. And the second agreement of hell, what's, what's that about? What, what, what is going on here? I mean, why are you agreeing? Hey, hey but, um, it might all be a perspective as well. Definitely. Can't judge, can't judge a book by its title. That's a fact. But I think the statement is cover. Yeah, but, I, but I still. You're saying this. Yeah, thing. it really do. <laughs> but, um, I mean, for him to be a, a teacher in the Washington, D.C. public school system, to me, stood out mm-hmm. more than the accolades mm-hmm. um, because he he took his time, which we all know that teachers are underpaid. Very much so. Um, but he took his time out to be in the public school system and to have the, the brilliant mind that he had. He was able to give out that knowledge to the, the young scholars in the in the public school system. Now we're talking private. We're not talking about collegiate. Mm-hmm. He's in the public school system and didn't specify which grades that he taught. But I mean, he I'm pretty sure that he had an impact on on a lot of people in that area. So mm-hmm. shout out to Chancellor Williams. But these these other books, uh, I don't I don't know if I want to read. The we like the, is, the Cleveland notes on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might might have the right to read that. Or read that, the leaflet that's in them. The what? <laughs> Excuse me, say that again. The leaflet, like <laughs> you get a paperback book. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hardback book. Oh, the little okay, oh, okay, <laughs> that's what that's called. <laughs> wow, you're funny. The leaflet. That's what it's called. I'm like 95% sure that's what it's called. So he says, don't let the titles fool you. See? Okay. Listen, I I, I trust your judgment. I trust your judgment. It's just. See, you're a reader. I need to get back into reading, though, because I love Red was good right books. So I need to get back into reading good stuff. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was a guilty pleasure at one point. Right? Yes, it is. (laughs) No, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So all I read was hood rap books. Well, listen, I I read all I used to read was hip hop magazines. (laughs) Is that considered reading? Uh yeah. What I mean, mean mostly pictures. I guess they have a couple articles, but yeah, I would read the articles to find article, out about though. what these rappers that mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then now the King magazine was more so for the pictures. 
You remember the King magazine? I don't. Like the I early do. Two thousands. I do, but I don't. I don't well, I would hope that you wouldn't, because it was like for men only type magazine. Yeah, but it wasn't like that racy. But it, it wasn't it like was, black tail, like Kanye. No, nah, it wasn't like black tail. It wasn't <laughs> like black tail. But it was pretty much like the the PG version of Black Tail. Like we would have like the video vixens and whatnot. Me, just kidding. It's a teenage boy. What do just you mean? Kidding. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs> you silly. All right, so you are next. So that was your second person. Yes, that was my second yeah. person. So okay. you got your third person. I got my third one. So a lot of people. I found this interesting. I actually found out about her um, some years ago. But a lot of people don't know about her, and her name is Claudette Colvin. Mm. Do you know about her? Have you heard about her? When I hear the name Claudette, I think of City High. Sorry. What would you do if your son was at home? Turn on alone in the bedroom. <laughs> Silly. Sorry. Go ahead. So Claudette Colvin is. A fifth, at the time, she was a 15 year old girl who. Refused to get out of her seat on the bus before Rosa Parks. Oh, oh, she, oh. she was arrested for it and everything. Hmm. But people only talk about Rosa Parks. They kind of kept her her arrest under wraps. At the I don't know if it was because she was a minor, but they kept her stuff under wraps. And I think it was I think it said a, it was years before a few years before Rosa Parks. Did, I like so let me style. just read this. Read wow. Let me read this. Let you, me read you, you this. Read this. Claudette Colvin is an American pioneer of the 1950s civil rights movement and and retired nurse aide. On March 2nd, 1955, she was arrested at the age of 15 in Montgomery, Alabama, for refusing to give up her seat to a white woman on a crowded, segregated bus. This occurred, okay, so it wasn't years. This occurred nine months before the more widely known incident in which Rosa Parks, secretary of the local chapter of the National NAACP, Helped spark the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott. Wow. So Claudette was even included in the lawsuit that was out. It was um, Browder versus Gale. Mm-hmm. She was included in that lawsuit. Her testimony and everything was, but it still wasn't widely talked about that she actually was arrested before Rosa Parks. So Rosa Parks it's gets all of the credit. Too. Yeah. Rosa Parks gets all of the credit for. The the bus boycott and um she's a G. Yeah. She's a G for yeah. real. Like, yo, you 15? Mm-hmm. 15 years old. Shout she out. She refused to give up her seat. Claudette. What's her last name? Claudette Colvin. Claudette Colvin. Okay. Shout out to Claudette Colvin, man. You she has a statement in here. It says young people think Rosa Parks just sat down on a bus and ended segregation, but that wasn't the case at all. That's crazy. When I found out about that, I was like, we've been deceived. Because they really pump it that Rosa Parks is the one that ended it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It was. It was actually not even just Claudette Colvin. It was a, quite a few other people who had been arrested for not giving up their seats to a white person on the buses. Uh, all I can think of is Cedric in the Entertainer yeah. on Barbershop. Oh, Rosa Parks name was sit up black down. That's all I can hear. Um, so it says, this is why the establishment has and is fighting against what is called being called critical race theory, which is truth is not teaching whites to hate themselves, but to teach the true history of America. Mm-hmm. And that history African-Americans will learn of the great accomplishments of everyday black folk. Yeah. They control the history you learn. That is that is very profound. That and is true. That is with, very true. With him saying that, 
it goes back to, it makes me think when you learn about slavery, all they talk about with slavery is how black people were dumb and stupid and knew nothing. No, we didn't know your English language. Mm. I'm saying we like, we were back there, but our ancestors didn't know your English language. Right. We knew our own language. Right. We didn't know how to read your English language. Culture. Right. Like so like, you tell us that because we don't understand your stuff and you don't understand our stuff, that we're dumb. Mm. Not the case at all. No. And so I've seen, I have seen posts now quite a few times over the past few years that said they did not steal. Um, so I forget how it goes, but pretty much was saying they didn't just take dumb, illiterate people. They took doctors, doctors and lawyers, yes. engineers, and farmers and everything like that. So it's taught to us that our culture was dumb and stupid when no, uh, no. But then the more you learn, if it's outside of the norm and the majority can't understand it, it's not right. You're dumb. You're wrong. You're stupid. And see what, like you said, with critical race theory, I've talked about this with um, on another podcast. Mm -hmm. I shout out to speak on it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's pretty much unlearning the lies or the half truths. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the in the school system that we have, like you have a set of standard books that you have that you go by. And there's so many books outside of those books that like I mean, us going through school, you you you're just trying to do the schoolwork and get the best grades that you can get to go on and move on. Right. But then once you start open opening your mind and start reading books that are outside of the curriculum or whatnot or if you just want to learn more like it's like yo we didn't just start with slavery no. like that that's not the case and then the more you kind of free your mind and go back it's like oh there's a rich history mm -hmm. behind all of that so and because if we built this country you had to have had some type of <laughs> education and knowledge to even yeah. be able to put nail to hammer. Until the land nope. and all hammer that. Hammer to nail. That, <laughs> you sure you got the balance? Listen, that's what you're I do, but I know you do. short time memory. No, I know. <laughs> so, um, my final person is um, one of my favorite athletes, even though I wasn't Carmella. alive. And, no, it's oh. not Carmelo Anthony. Shout out to Melo, though, for being in the top uh 75. 75 definitely solidifies him in the hall of fame so i don't want to hear none of that that he's not but that's neither here nor there we're not we are we're not on mellow um so hearing his story when i was younger always inspired me um he was brash and and outspoken mm -hmm. but he he stood for something and that was Muhammad Ali, the great Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. Um, I'm Cassius. I'm listen, that man is Muhammad Ali. Um, so he was born Cassius Clay in 1942 in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Excuse me. Now, doing this, I actually learned some things about Ali that I didn't know. And I thought I knew a lot about Ali. Uh, like the movie Ali is one of my favorite movies, all of that. But he's a pro boxer, activist, entertainer. Poet. I didn't know that. And you know it. But he got bar. He has bars like float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Ah, rumble, young man rumble. But there's so many things that like 
Yeah. So he's a poet and a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Um, he nicknamed himself the greatest. Uh, he won a gold medal in the 1960 Olympics. He won his first heavyweight title in 1964 at the age of 22 by beating uh, Sonny Liston, which uh, I think he was an underdog in that fight. Who, and who's uh, underdog? Muhammad Ali. Gotcha. Well, Cash is at that time. Uh, but he shook up the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he's most known for was uh, being an activist by refusing to participate in the Vietnam War due to his religious and ethical beliefs. Um, now, during that time in the civil rights, you had uh, Martin Luther King, you had Malcolm X, and they were rebels against the system. Mm-hmm. Well, Martin more so at the end of his life was more so a rebel against the system, but more, more so more so with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. So when you have this great heavyweight champion who's participated in the Olympics, won a gold medal for you and whatnot, and now he's aligning with uh, Malcolm X, who has his stand as far as what he feels is right and what he feels is wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I think that they felt like it was a slap in the face. And and then for him to be the heavyweight champion and then to get drafted into the war, mm-hmm. like, yeah, and then not only that, like the fact of he changed his name to Muhammad Ali and they still called him Cassius Clay mm-hmm. when they drafted him. It was like the, the amount of disrespect that like this man has done a lot for your country, has done a lot for businesses, entertainment wise and whatnot. And we all know that with the draft and whatnot, like you didn't have to go draft him. Like he's like, like it's like celebrities are excluded. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then like, for him to 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 fight for what he fought for as far as what was right, mm-hmm. as far as um, saying like, yo, you you don't treat me well in this country. Why am I going to go fight for you and go kill other people, other people? And you won't even stand up for me here. Like I got to fight for my rights here. Right. Not not just because like. Yeah, I'm the heavyweight champion of the world, but I'm still a black man in America in the 60s that's got to go through so many things. And yeah, I get some privilege a little bit because I'm this heavyweight champion, but everybody doesn't, everybody's not the heavyweight champion of the world. So for him, to me, that spoke a lot and spoke volumes just in that era as well, as far as civil rights. So um, we got to... Don't believe that narrative. During Reconstruction, directly after slavery, former slaves became mayors. Shared. That's a fact. That is that is definitely a fact. Mm-hmm. And many times were more intelligent than their non-black counterparts. Oh. Yes, I. I mean, you hear about Black Wall Street, but there were so many other Black Wall Streets that were happening across the country. Um, one that got bombed in uh, Philadelphia as well. Um, where they had a thriving black community. So it's it's definitely some some things that we need to look into as far as that, because it's always seemed like there's one side of the story and there needs to be all of the story that's told okay. because it's it's a lot of things that are blacked out. Uh no pun intended. But <laughs> it's, it's a lot of things that are that are withheld from us as far as that. 
there's power in that knowledge. It is because it it's it's it makes you think more so like like I said before, like we didn't just start with slavery and even after slavery, like it wasn't like we was just like, okay, you know what I mean? Humdi de humdum. Like, no, we built communities and whatnot and they got destroyed. Um, that just shows you how resilient we are too. It's a fact. That so is everything that got destroyed. Very resilient. Very resilient people. <laughs> um, so Muhammad Ali became a high-profile figure of racial pride for African Americans during the civil rights movement. Um, he released two albums as a spoken word artist, did he? receiving Grammy nominations. That's what I said. Yo, Muhammad Ali had bars. <laughs> like he, he's that. he's in the category of. My man Archie, like shout out to Archie the Messenger ATM. Yeah, well, I know that. Yeah, called I one called I am the greatest. The next was the Adventures of Ali and his gang versus Mister Tooth Decay. Listen, <laughs> I, I was just told earlier, no, don't, don't be judging titles. Right. <laughs> so I'm not judging the titles. I, Tell me that again. I am the greatest, and the Adventures of Ali and his gang versus. Mr. Tooth Decay. <laughs> like, was it for? <laughs> I don't I know. That up. But like, hearing the, like the the lines that he would have mm -hmm. before, like to promote the matches and whatnot, like you could tell, like he had bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, he was rapping before hip hop. <laughs> to be quite honest, so shout out to the pioneer MC Muhammad That's Ali. So shout out to the Ali family. Um, and he was also an artist. Like with the drawings, paintings. Oh, wow. uh, Twenty-six of his drawings were arts. Um twenty-six of his drawings are arts that were sold in October of twenty twenty-one for close to one million dollars. Wow. So he was a Renaissance man all in all. He lived a full life. Yeah. Um during this, I didn't know that he had albums that was enlightening and it just made me think like he like he did a lot in his time like he stood up for us as a people he at his time he was like the youngest um heavyweight champion of the world mm -hmm. Then he rebelled against the system. Like right after he got the belt, he changed his name to Muhammad Ali and became a member of the Nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. um, he was best friends with uh, Sam. Was yeah, Lenny, Sam yeah, Sam Cook. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say Lenny Cook. Uh, Lenny Cook used to hoop. Um, Sam <laughs> Cook and Jim Brown. Um, he was a football player, right? Yep. Yeah. One of the greatest running backs ever to play. Thinking about the movie. Yeah, the night, the night in Miami. Um, that was a great movie, and it yeah. just it made. It's like these these four guys mm -mm. that are at the top of the entertainment world. You know what I mean? Still had to go through what any and every black man had to go through in America at that time, mm -hmm. regardless of their status. I mean, you had the heavyweight champion of the world, you had a recording artist, you got a all pro running back, and you have this great orator that is speaking against any and everything as far as what America stands for. 
And all these guys are friends with different beliefs, different constructs of of what is going on, but they came together and like just enjoyed each other and build and whatnot. So it's backs. yeah, it's definitely. So um I mean he's Muhammad Ali's got some uh, beautiful family. Um, Layla Ali retired undefeated as a boxer. Um, I think there's another Ali that's coming up. He's like a great grandson or something like that. Um, coming up in boxing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I mean, he he left a legacy for his family, and I'm pretty sure, like, other than Layla, like the other kids are, are doing what I just said. Layla was in the spotlight more so than anybody. Mm -hmm. But for him to have albums that were Grammy nominated, <laughs> you still stuck on that. Yeah, like that one got to me. It was like he really was rapping before rap. That's that's the that's one funny. that gets me. So shout out to to one of the greatest uh, boxers that ever lived, that ever boxed, and and one of the greatest uh, activists of his time. He he took a huge stand, man. Like he he gave up like three and a half, four years of his career in his prime. Because he was in jail, right? No, no, that's not. What he was but they were threatening. So like for three, he was like doing appeals, different appeals and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And during this time, he couldn't box, so he had to relinquish the title. He's losing this money, but he was doing this to fight this fight, and then he finally got got justice. And then went on to win the title. And he lost it and then won it again. And fought until like, I think like 79 or 80, something like that. Oh, I thought you made years. In my no, 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 no. 1979, <laughs> 1980. She said, no, I don't think that's right. But I do want to hear the adventures of Ali and his gang versus Mr. Do uh, Tooth Decay. That's something I, I'm definitely going to search up. That's funny. That is funny to me. I want to hear it. I don't like no more people. Yeah, I don't. You told me to do three. Uh, okay, <laughs> and we did three. We did. Um. So, um, that was informative. Uh, found out we had Rosa Parks before Rosa Parks. Um, yeah. I I just want to encourage people to Google's at in the palm of our hands now. Go and literally Google uh, black people I should know that's not famous. <laughs> I think I put in something as simple as that, though, and found these people. And I found a lot of people. And I was like, wow, wow, why are we still pushed the same, like, five or six people year after year after year, generation after generation after generation? So it's just dope to... Do the research and and find these interesting people mm -hmm. that don't get the the accolade that well the acknowledgement that they deserve for what they've done and not all of them are dead like some people there are some amazing people coming up that are still doing amazing things that are not talked about so yeah I like uh, Miss Valerie Thomas is still living and that that would be somebody that I would love for my daughters to to see and to meet because. I know that that's just an inspiration, not saying that they're going to be into science or inventing anything like that, but just seeing someone that during that time pretty much broke barriers. Like she was one of two women that study physics. Like these people were fearless, mm -hmm. if you think about it at the end of the day. Um, 
I mean, from the the judge following her dad's footsteps to 15 years old saying, I ain't getting up, <laughs> to Wilma Rudolph uh, recovering from, I said it wrong? No, I was okay. listening. Recovering from polio at four years old to become an Olympic champion. Like, yo, that, like you said, resiliency mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So, says, if I asked you who invented the light bulb, what would your answer be? So, Google told me it was a black person. I was about to say, would, my would you answer, ask, asking me that question, it, it has to be someone of, of color. I remember Siani. But you would, Doesn't Siani know uh, that name? I think she told let's him. Let's see. Siani. I think she remembers that. I think that might have been someone that she just found out about. They might have an appearance. Give us a second. We can, might... you, can you come here, please? We need our, our fact checkers. Our fact checkers are our kids. <laughs> so, Especially when it comes to mad. Come here, real quick. You ain't got to be on screen. <laughs> she wants oh, to. She wants to be. Say okay. hi. You can say hi. <laughs> so, who invented the light bulb? Um, a black person. Yeah, we know that. What's her name? We thought you were was it a man or woman. Man. It was okay. a man. You remember the inside of the light bulb and a white person. I don't know if they can hear you. Come back. So a black person created the inside of the light bulb and mm-hmm. didn't get any credit for it because mm-hmm. a white person ended up creating the outside of it and thought he created the whole entire light bulb. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Looks like she can't remember his name. Nope. But See, you know that you know, right? So let's Google. My mom said, "Hey, Tang." <laughs> okay, you can go back. Thank you. So she knows the gist, just don't remember the name. So I'm, I'm not. Google I'm not good with names either. So I, I can get. I know a face, <laughs> but names is hard. He said, "I love her." <laughs> You hear how she speak though? Like she wasn't for sure of the name, but just her speaking was such oh I yeah. love it. And what's flipping crazy is like, yo, I'll be trying to have them like learn this stuff and I gotta learn it. My dad goes so <laughs> like when she was saying it, it was coming back to me, like, yeah, he what was it the filament and oh love So Thomas Edison invented the ball, but it was only worked for a couple of hours. Hmm. But it, but she said he the black person invented something inside. Yeah, of yeah, it. that's what so I was saying. I don't know what up. the what the um I don't know what it's called. Mm. Mm. I'm I'm trying. But um that that's working. um with with the way technology is though mm-hmm. uh, we can just once you find you can, them, you can go talk. um but the way technology is we we've made it like a point that we know that kids when it comes to books sometimes they don't want to read we try to make ours read just a little bit we get some time off of youtube and all of that but i mean finding these things out it just makes them more proud of themselves i can't find it okay it makes them more proud of themselves Mm -hmm. uh because growing up in this culture and whatnot um, it's hard to have a identity and looking back at history and whatnot, you can be taught so many things in school, but as parents, we got to do a job as far as teaching them 
who they are, who's, who's paved the way, and let them know that there's people that's been in their shoes. I mean, I know one of the persons that um, Siani looks up to is Ruby Bridges. That's like yeah. her girl. And because she's seen the strength that she had as a little girl to go through what she went through. Mm -hmm. Louis Latimer invented the carbon fi filament. There it is. <laughs> I was right. That allowed the, wait a minute now, that's a big word. Incandescent. Okay. I had to sound it out. Don't do that. Bulb to go into production. <laughs> he also invented air conditioning. Oh, thank you, Louis Latimer. Because I'm gonna make sure I tell her his name. She's probably like, I know it. I know her. So See? shout out to him because he had some only, we've only been taught about Thomas Edison. That's that's a fact. That's the first name that I thought of, and I was like, no. Nope, I didn't think somebody, of it. I just knew I didn't. It wasn't. I, <laughs> I didn't think of that name. I didn't even lie to you. I mean, I was school too long. So all in all, um, this this episode, of course, we we have Black History Month, so we can go along with uh, Black History Month. However, um, yeah. Black History is is every month. That's our life. Yeah, it's it's what you say? I said that's our life. Yeah. Like we're constantly wanting to, to learn. learn. Yeah. Especially with our kids. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, just us growing up as young black kids and whatnot and being in this uh majority Caucasian country, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Sometimes it can get to the point to where it's like, what what like why is it that this is this and this and that and it's like everything like like the hidden facts it just makes you feel less of yourself mm -hmm. almost because you see so many things that were invented by people <laughs> that don't look like you and you're like well what did we do besides slavery yeah and the more uh the more you find out the i keep thinking of the reading rainbow the more you know <laughs> but but it is like that, though, because that goes into a lot of things that you do today. You um, Black you history things. surrounds us every day in this country we built. Mm -hmm. That is a huge fact. A huge fact. How often, though, like, even in today's society, do people come up with things, do things, even in, with kids in the classroom? A lot of times, Black kids don't get the full credit for the work that they put in, the work mm. that they do. And that's been... That's been our entire history. So that's why I try so hard to just feed my kids the confidence that they need and I reassure them like you're one thing I, I, I feel good about myself when I do when the kids do something and they show this and they're excited about something. Mm -hmm. I ask them how do they feel about themselves. Right. Because I'll ask Nehemiah, are you proud of yourself? I am proud. Right. Just so they can know, like, you don't have to do this for me. Do this for you. And claim your credit for it. Exactly. This is what you did say that you did that. And be proud. Because all Rosa Parks did was sit her. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Um, oh, we had an hour. I'm we are an hour. We could talk for hours about Black history, but we we're not. We got for hours. Okay. And hours. And hours. You can do this. Anyway. <laughs> so um every month is Black History Month, in my opinion. Um I think that 
there are some things that need to be told about the truth of this country, mm -hmm. all in all. And to be honest, it's not just for the empowerment of Black people, because, I mean, it will empower us to understand our history, but to really make light of everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just a one-sided story, and it's been told that way for so long. And our non-Black counterparts need to know these things as well, because they've been in the dark, too. And I will say, from what I'm seeing, uh, a lot of this generation, our the millennials and everything, like they're open to learning and wanting, wanting mm -hmm. to know and, and calling it out. I'm starting, I'm starting to see a lot more white people call it out. Like, yo, would that stupid? No, mm -mm, that ain't right. That dad going ticky top. And wanting to change your ways. Mm. Yo, this ain't right. Okay. It sounds big. Thank you. So I was going to ask you if you're going to finish yours because the line is gone. Amethyst mine. This is delicious. It's just out. Uh, really? really? You don't use to eat the salad. What you mean? Clean up all my ingredients. What do you mean? I had to share it. You only eat the salad. I fasted for meat. What are you talking about? I do, do eat salad. Do you salads. make your own salad? Exactly. She going chop it up for me and whatnot. Well, that's how you have to make your salad. I don't know. Exactly. So you eat up my ingredients. I want to bag. Right. Really? Do you share? You have. Mine's okay. gone. Proud of y'all for doing this. The <laughs> true history will empower us and enlighten others to know they've been fed lies as well. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. We just, we just, just, we just Honestly, talking. This, this is discussions that happens in our house on a it regular really is. basis. It really is. So y'all just sitting at the, at the dinner table. <laughs> really. Hence the, the, our show. Seriously, this is literally the discussions that go on in our house. And I'm quite proud of it because our kids actually sit in on these discussions as well. Um, they're not sitting in on it now because Nehemiah don't know when to chill. But these are the types of conversations and things. Even he knows he knows some of it. We go over things with him and he's five. So this is just how this is what we're trying to set for our kids so that they know and can do, like they'll hopefully carry on a tradition to have these types of conversations and just life discussions with their families. Definitely. Definitely. So I've been trying to come up with something to sign off on um, for the show. I don't know. I like I had something in my mind and then I got in front of the camera and I was like, hmm. <laughs> so I done, I'm going to have to write it down. I'll come back to y'all in two weeks with it. But it was just something to play on the name of our of our show. Just make sure Make sure sometime this week you sit down and have a seat at the dinner table and discuss things with your family. Oh, I like it. But it's long. It's a, it's it's a closing statement. They don't need to be catchy. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we set the trends. Hmm? Sorry. Yes. All right. So make sure y'all join us in two weeks. Have a sit down with us at a seat at our. Oh no, I'm trying to come up with something. We love y'all. Good night. I'll try and get into these. Y'all have a good night and check us out in two weeks uh, where we'll be back for our entrepreneur spotlight. Um, tune in for our special guest in March. Um, so until then, good night. Uh, good night. God bless.
Shuck-a-dicky-quack-quack. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man, you are funny. <laughs>